Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Today's guest, a semi-retired professional stock car racing driver and current analyst for NASCAR on Fox. He's also currently in competition full-time with the superstar racing experience, SRX, got him a win in that series at the Nashville Fairgrounds this summer. I saw that on TV. 2000 NASCAR Cup Series champion. He and his older brother, Terry, are one of the only two pairs of brothers to have both won the Cup championship along with Kurt and Kyle Busch. Achievements include that 2000 Winston Cup Series champion, 1991 Busch Series champion, 2001 IROC champion, 1995 Coca-Cola 600 winner, 2000 Brickyard 400 winner, and 2000 Southern 500 winner, among others. In the Cup Series, 729 races over 25 years, 21 wins, 203 top 10s, 26 poles. Xfinity, 203 races over 20 years, 10 wins, 100 top 10s and 10 poles inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2020 from Corpus Christi, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Labonte. Bobby, say hi to Mike Wallace. Hello. Did, so I, I heard all that. I heard all that, and I dropped the phone. I was, I was like, gonna, yeah. I was going to say, I went, I went to, don't make me do that again. Yeah. I, I'm sitting there, you let me ever get done with this intro for this career. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm going to tell you a joke to go along with this. First of all, Bobby, thanks so much for joining us today. But I knew we made it big time now. I put a little posting out that Bobby Labonte was going to be our guest on our show. And my brother, Kenny slash Herman, sends a note. I saw that. You guys have now made it big time. Right? You guys are getting serious about that show. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So That's it, funny. It's all good. But, uh, Bobby, man, you've had such a stellar career all through it. And the millions of people that listen to our show around the world really, you know, they think they know you. But we realize we don't know the backstory of a lot of drivers. And we have always right. heard you and your brother is from Corpus Christi, Texas. 
How about taking us back to those early days at Corpus Christi of kind of how you remember getting involved even in motorsports and how did um, you know how did you go from that point to where you're at today? Yeah, I mean, you know, and and in man, I, I tell you what, obviously. You know, it started off with my parents, my dad, especially in racing. My, my mom, you know, supported him. And, um, you know, my dad was a helicopter mechanic at um, for the Navy and the, the Naval Air Station down there, RADMAC. <clears throat> and uh, but loved tinkering on cars. So obviously, Terry being older than me, um, you know, he my dad was working on other people's cars, local short track, CC Speedway, quarter mile, high bank track. Um and so, obviously, Terry was involved into it. And then, you know, when I was born, seven years later, I'm into it, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, hanging out at the shop, uh, watching my dad, watching my brother, you know, uh, going, to the, going to the shop. I remember as a kid, you know, my, I'd go to the shop with my dad. I guess he, my mom was like, here, do something with him. So I was babysitting, right, or he was babysitting. And I would take a five-gallon bucket of nuts and bolts, and I would just pour them on the ground, and I'd separate them, you know. And then I would take my little matchbox cars and roll around, and you make like a little track out of it, you know. And my dad's working on cars over there, putting camshafts and engines, building engines, working on cars, working on other people's cars, um, you know, quarter midgets and and all that. So basically, you know, from from the time I was I can remember, um, you know, it was car craft, super stock, stock car racing magazines. Um, it was going to the shop with my dad, hanging out there, you know, my brother getting mag wheels for a car. We had quarter midgets in our life. We had models. Terry and I had, had all these plastic models of all these, you know, at the time that was probably the Dan Gurneys and the Wood Brothers and all these plastic models you could buy at the hobby shop and we'd race them like we were racing you know like they not video games but that was the early video game right and uh that's just what i remember i remember that's how we grew up going to the racetracks and you know racing quarter midgets and you know starting off like that well that's cool so when uh when do you remember the first time of you actively getting in a car or sitting in the seat and going hey i'm gonna I kind of kind of like this sitting in a race car driver's seat or being a race car driver. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, that would, would be you would say, right? You just get the taste of it, right? So all you have to do, <laughs> you know, when you when you get behind the wheel and go, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? mm -hmm. so, well, I can I can say I can say for me, uh, I remember I remember it. I remember it. I mean, I, I of course I kind of like remember hearing more about it later but and seeing pictures i'm like yeah i kind of remember that you know but i was four and a half years old my dad put me in a quarter midget and we, it was right across the street from where we lived at a school uh elementary school parking lot he had five had four one gallon milk jugs set out and <clears throat> i would go out there in a quarter midget and put around and put around and just make laps and i think he sat on the back of the pickup truck drinking beer and watching me you know and I would just absolutely go to sleep going around in circles right at four and a half years old. So, but I remember doing that at that age. I mean, that, that young and watching my brother be a part of it and be a part of racing. So yeah, four and a half, I can remember being behind the wheel of a quarter midget. I, first of all, on that note, I want to compliment you because apparently through your NASCAR career, you didn't hit the wall as many times as I did because I don't remember four and a half. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I can't remember anything about being four and a half years but old. But that, that's yeah. outstanding. So we, we've got you back as far as anybody can imagine. Four and a half, that's great. Yeah. The, the, the gallon milk jugs, Dad. So what? Um, I, even though the show's all about you, that at that particular time, what was Terry doing? Was he go-kart racing a little bit too? Did I heard you say he was kind of watching or whatever? Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he was already quarter midget racing, you know, so he's seven and a half years older than me, right? So he is already quarter midget racing, so I'm getting in a car that he has, and we're, I'm going around the parking lot, my dad's just trying to get me going. So when I was five years old, I'm eligible to run quarter midgets. So we would go to the racetrack when I started off, and, you know, both kids, 
parents. We'd have a couple three-quarter midgets, and Terry would race different classes, and I'd race the, the little kid class, right? And uh, so we did that for years. We'd go to um, – I remember a picture that my dad, we stopped at the Bonneville Salt Flats at an event <clears throat> coming back from – uh, we went to Portland, Oregon, I guess it was, and somehow we must have made our way back, you know, because he wanted to go to the Bonneville Salt Flats, right? And uh, so we were racing all over the country, Huntsville, uh, Denver, Portland, Baylands, California, which is close to Sonoma area, uh, or North North California. <clears throat> and uh, we would go to Tulsa, Oklahoma and race. We'd go to Austin and race. We'd go to San Antonio and race. And my dad ended up building a quarter midget track in Corpus. So Terry was racing, and I was racing. So we were racing together. But I'll, I'll, I'll go. I won't go forward with it. But we never raced against each other. So we always raced in different classes, but we never raced against each other until we were in the Bush Series, actually. So kind of funny story. Being seven and a half years older kept us from racing t- against each other. And now I will say this: the story that my dad tells is my dad pushed me off and said, "All right, I'm gonna send your brother out there. You follow him." So he pushed me off. Quarter midget, I'm riding around. Push Terry off. I block him. I never let him pass me. And I think I stepped <laughs> in the fence. And so my dad's like, what? I thought you were going to follow him. You can learn. I said, well, dad, I was afraid. I, I didn't want him to pass me, you know? So <laughs> that's how that story went. But anyway, so that was us at a young age. And that's probably why I didn't, we didn't race against each other because I was going to wreck him. I guess. <laughs> he didn't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you, you guys definitely, you know, tr- listen to your schedule. You guys traveled a lot. I mean, you took it serious early on in that quarter midget program, didn't you? We did. Yeah. My dad was, you know, big on that. I, I found a picture the other day, Mike, I sent to, um, uh, I sent to a couple people. Um, I found it <clears throat> and I said, look at this quarter midget. One was, had a, a new Curtis, had a roll cage on it. And the other had just a bar over the top, like the old midgets used to run and, you know, back in the AJ Foy days, right? When he ran midgets, right? I mean, smaller, but you know, that quarter, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, just had one bar, went a roll cage before roll cages. And, uh, so I, I, I showed it to one of the, um, I think it was Mark Bruchetta this weekend and, or this week in Nashville. And he's, he knew exactly what quarter midget it was because he and his brother Scott were into it. So he knew exactly what that was. So, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I found this picture. Uh, it was of me uh, sitting with my quarter midgets. My mom, you know, they were, you know, okay, let's take a picture for the photo album, right? Right, of course. You know, you don't take, you don't have an iPhone. You got to take a picture and put it in a photo album, right? So I found this picture and I looked at it and I had an Indianapolis 500 or Indianapolis Motor Speedway t shirt on, right? And I also had an AJ Foy Coyote sticker on my car because i just was sticker just stickers everywhere just stick them everywhere i remember that aj Foy coyote sticker that was big time man that was the hell yeah huge right so i had stp stickers on it you know because that was like richard petty aj Foy. then i had indianapolis right so i was thinking indianapolis because that's kind of that era you know nascar i was i mean we we lived in corpus but we traveled to places where the Parnelli Jones's people, kids, Jimmy Vassar was there racing, which I mean, I didn't know Jimmy Vassar. I still don't know him, but I knew he was there at the same time I was there, you know, and more IndyCar trending, you know, quarter midgets were kind of like that at the time. So I looked at that picture and I said, I sent it to somebody. I said, you know, you know what's funny about that? I said, they said, what? I said, well, I started counting the other day, like one, 10 years, 20, 30, 40 crap. That was 50 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang it. Now I'm feel old, man. I was like, oh my God, that was, I was like six years old, seven years old. Right. So that's like 50 years ago. So time has flown, but we still have quarter midgets in our lives today. Uh, I own a quarter midget track. My nephew's son races quarter midgets there. Uh, yeah, I'm still connected to it in different ways, but so that's how we started quarter midgets. And we're traveling all over the country, basically with my parents on a, you know, big weekends and Every other weekend at Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is not an easy drive, you know. Right. So how about we take a break, Jeff? I want to come back and talk about those quarter midgets because Jeff, Bobby, as he mentioned, owns a quarter midget track. It was big for the community, so I'd love to talk about that. Cool. We'll talk about that. We're talking to Bobby Labonte. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. 
Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. In the Wayback Machine with Bobby Labonte. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Bobby, I'm going to kind of fast forward, then we're going to have to go back a little bit. But you were meant talking about quarter midgets. And I remember some years back here, right off of Interstate 85, up around Salisbury, you had uh, you were the talk of the not just the community, but the state. You had uh, you invested in building a quarter midget track. Tell us about that and how that's going. Yeah, that's the worst business plan ever. I'll just tell you that <laughs> right up top. Right. But, but it, it also had the most satisfaction of anything going so my kids especially tyler was into it and i got him into it you know i'm like hey let's go run quarter pitch right so we were traveling to columbus ohio indianapolis down to florida kind of following the mark martin matt martin route um cole duncan rodney duncan the stanley's robbie stanley uh his mom and dad uh ron and rita and brother ryan so we all you know were into it so it's like you know we, we had nowhere here to run we had to go to georgia to race right so i built a quarter midget track in salisbury talked the county into the city let me do it and had some property and built the track and now there's other buildings around it but yeah i mean we were you know doing it into it and about that time my son decided not to race but anyway <laughs> so it was like oh well so you, you said but, mark and mark and uh Matt Martin deal. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> They'll which, do that which, to was, you. <laughs> which was totally fine, which was totally fine. And, uh, but the thing about it was, I mean, for me and Tyler, I mean, especially, you know, we had, you know, we were just like my parents. We were just like my parents. And, you know, with him, we'd travel up and down and go racing at different places and meet friends. And, you know, and, and that's how we, that's just how we lived. And when you are around other people like that, I mean, you're, there's just, you know, they're the greatest people that you can be around at that time at a young age and, you know, really help you develop things and not just in racing skills, but just, you know, how to, you know, interact with people. Right. So, um, and it was before iPads and iPhones, you go out there and play in the, play in the Creek or the snow and then race, whatever. Right. So yeah, built this track and, you know, I've got pictures of Harrison Burton out there, Ryan Blaney out there, uh, many others, you know, that have raced in different series and, we were racing the other night and a bunch of USAC kids that were racing big midgets were, had, you know, come from there. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is the most satisfaction is what, what they're doing down there. And, uh, they had a big race this weekend and just, you know, I mean, I, I just enjoy that. And, you know, I don't think nothing of it anymore, but I mean, I, I mean, definitely feel like we've invested a lot into quarter midget racing as time has gone on and have big events. And, you know, people want to come from all over the country to, to Salisbury to race because it's a beautiful track, right? So, but it, it, to me, it's just I just want people to enjoy it and have a good time. And if they proceed on to big cars, they proceed on to big cars. But it's still a part of life that they'll never forget. Well, Bobby, I want to congratulate you and thank you for that for uh, contributing to the youth of America. Jeff, this racetrack you built is beautiful. This ain't so just like some deal you blew out in the middle of a field what's, somewhere. What's this, the name of it? Yeah. And exactly where is it? Yep. It's the NCQMA, North Carolina Quarter Midget Association. And what I did was I just took bits and pieces from all the tracks that we went to in Tennessee and Indianapolis and Apopka and Columbus Indoors, Columbus Outdoors, and said, if I could have a clean sheet of paper, I would rather have it this way. Right. And so we were just able to do that. We didn't, you know, we were, we didn't, we were on the outside of a track that said, you know, you can only do this. You can't do that. We just had a clean sheet of paper and, you know, made that happen. Well, it's turned out beautiful. So let's keep now. Let's step back, and I apologize, but that fit where we were going there. So you're out in Corpus Christi, Texas. You're racing quarter midgets, and then somehow your life you end up over in North Carolina. How how that move take place? Yeah, well, you know, it was it was kind of funny. Uh, you know, my obviously Terry again being older than me, quarter midgets were phasing out for him, right? So my parents can't be at two different locations at one time. You can't be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Corpus Christi, Texas at the same time, right? So Terry got a stock car, you know, started running um, like a hobby stock, which is awesome, 57 Chevy. Terry's got sideburns like Elvis Presley, cowboy <laughs> boots, shaggy hair. I mean, it's like awesome photos, that right? That sounds I mean, just, just like I was when I was a, a kid. Just a good old boy. 57 it's Chevy just, was my first car, <laughs> race car, yeah. Okay. It just it's just straight up redneck with a hippie band, man. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Right. And, uh, so anyway, so, you know, obviously we couldn't do, you know, couldn't do both. Right. I mean, there's just no, no way. 
So Terry started racing hobby stocks at Corpus Christi Speedway when he was 17. Well, he was 17 for three years. So you do the math. I don't know what age he started, but he was 17 for, for three, three years. years. Wow. So, so anyway, you know, we, so my dad, well, what happened was, you know, Terry moved up the ranks, moved up the ranks. And what happened was they'd race at Corpus Christi Speedway till they got barred because they were fighting. All right. They got in so many fights that finally they're like, hey, don't, don't come back. Right. So they go to San Antonio, go to Houston and race at Meyer Speedway. They didn't get barred from there, but, you know, Terry could win races and was winning all the time. And people protest. The next thing you know, it's like a big fight. It's like, yeah. awesome, man. Your dad's a pretty serious racer, too, right? <laughs> man, I, lo- I was sitting on the back of a pickup truck one time and Terry leaped off the, off the back of it onto this guy started pounding his head i'm like dude i'm like eight years old this is or nine years old. this is great right <laughs> and uh, it was like wwe before wwe and what my dad this one guy said well we had the uh the cylinder heads off <clears throat> you know because i knew what this stuff was because i'd hang out with my dad and he'd say the guy says well those are dome top pistons my dad said they're not dome top pistons he said yeah i can see them he said no you can't so my dad grabbed him and put his head down on the block and you could hear his face sizzling because it's still hot. And uh, anyway, he said, okay, they're not dome top pistons and bam, you know, kapow. So, so anyway, so we got barred from there. They raced up at Meyer Speedway. So Terry got a deal with Billy Hagan to move to North Carolina. So to fast forward how we got there. So Terry moves to North Carolina. So now I'm like a single brother. I'm like a single kid at home. Right. So my parents are trying to like, okay, what are we going to do now? So they bought me a go-kart. We go to this little place called Mathis Speedway. We'd run every weekend. So Terry's gone cup racing mechanic, not cup racing, but a mechanic for Billy Hagen. And I was quarter, I was a go-kart racing a little bit. So then finally my dad was able to maneuver and get a job up here in North Carolina. And we packed up on a Friday and moved up here on the weekend. And he went to work on Monday morning, you know, yeah. uh, at, Billy Hagen's shop that Daryl Bryant was a crew chief. Terry was going to be the driver and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's how we ended up here. But, you know, there's a little time there that I had a mini bike and a go-kart and, you know, kind of normal in a way. And then we got back up to North or got to North Carolina and just got into it like heavy. Yeah. So when you got to North Carolina, <laughs> I, I mean, you were kind of in it right away. As soon as you got here, what was the first thing you drove car wise and where'd you race at if you remember that when, when you got to north carolina yeah you know i mean and i did some go-kart racing for a while i mean i was still 15 years old so i'm not old enough to be racing cars right like they are today but so i was 15 i was racing go-karts from daytona charlotte talladega uh road atlanta a few places like that and um <clears throat> so did that for a couple of years and i remember i think when i was like I don't know, 17 or 18, I guess it was. I had one or two. It was Caraway Speedway. Uh, Phil Parsons was driving for Mike Swain. That deal kind of fizzled out. So there was a car, and I was helping Phil. Um, I'd go over and help Mike and Phil. We were just, I mean, we, we, I mean, I knew nothing. Phil was showing me stuff and, like, take a rear end out of the car, learn how to weld, learn how to do anything, right? And so... I borrowed a motor from Billy Hagen, and he didn't know it, of course, but I borrowed a motor, <laughs> and uh, I stole a motor for the weekend, <laughs> went, put it in a car, and I go to Caraway and race, and uh, so I go to Caraway and race, and I remember, I think I qualified ninth, and I just remember, I, I remember that Gene Glover, Tony Glover's dad, was 10th. He was a national champion, late model sportsman, not Bush Series, but late model sportsman. Sam Ard was there. I think Jack Ingram was there. L.D. Ottinger might have been there. You know, I mean, all those guys. Uh, they were all the heroes then, weren't they? Yeah, and I, I, I'd have to remember. I, I remember I got spun out by, you remember Howard Stewart? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. His, I think it was Howard's grandson or his son or, I don't know, son-in-law, maybe son-in-law, Daryl Wheeler. He spun me out like on third lap. Motor wouldn't crank, starter wouldn't crank, you know, anyway, got going, you know, finished the race, whatever, you know, was first time awful type of thing. But anyway, it was, that's kind of one of my first, you know, cars, you know, um, and I did race a Daytona dash car. Did you, did you know that? Did you ever race Daytona dash? I, I never did. I actually drove for a guy by the name of Barry Owen, who was big into building those dash cars. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's but, right. but, uh, I, I never drove one and then they, well, 
kind of did away with the series. But tell us about that. Tell yeah. us. So, well, actually, this past weekend I saw Ronnie Thomas, and a friend of his gave me a pic, gave me a little pamphlet of the races that everybody had run, you know, and how many they did. So I did three Daytona Dash races, right? So I remember going to Dover, Delaware, and running, and we blew a motor up pretty early. But we went to Atlanta after that, the second race in Atlanta, and run a Mercury Capri, a little four-cylinder car, had leaf springs in the back and railroad springs in the front. And, heck, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, again, I was 17 or 18 years old. This had to be in 1982, I think it was. So I was, what, 64, 74, 84, 18, yeah, about 18 years old. Anyway, I just, you know, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, we're at Atlanta Motor Speedway. You know how fast that place is, right? <laughs> so, anyway, so I run about half the race and qualified pretty good, run about half the race. And, anyway, the throttle hung wide open. It was, it just wouldn't come back very fast. So, <clears throat> which was okay with by me because you just run wide open anyway, right? So, anyway, just took off. Anyway, long story short, I think I finished third. And um, I thought I had a deal for, like, I mean, it's like, man, this is, is going to be a good deal. So the guy's like, you want to drive next year? Yeah, sure. So anyway, long story short, I didn't get the ride because the other guy started dating the guy's daughter. And yeah, kind of didn't, that didn't work out for me. So he drove. So, and then I drove one more time at Darlington. And I remember Davey Allison was there running the same deal. So that was in that 17, 18, 19 year old phase, you know, of, you know, trying to figure out what I, what I was going to do with my life. Right. So, so how did you, because it seems like getting a ride today is so different than it was back in the time. How did you get those opportunities with those guys? You just did you talk, steal more motors? What did you do there? <laughs> yeah, well, basically, um, you know, we, you know, the the I don't remember how the the deal went with uh, the baby grand thing. Whether you know, you, you know how it is. You just yeah. got to know somebody, know somebody, right. know somebody, right? Yeah, and then. Um, you know, as far as like the late model deal, you know, Mike Swaim and, you know, you know, we need a motor. I'm like, well, I'm going to be creative. How can I get a motor? Well, I can't afford one, but we can borrow one, right? Yeah, sure. Let's borrow it. And then. I love your creativity. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And then, and then when we, you know, you go on with, you know, the, the next thing, you know, whether you're trying to build a late model or whatever, I mean, we just have enough money to buy a chassis from Carrie Bodenheimer. And then we beg and borrow sheet metal for a, to build a Malibu and know how to weld and fabricate because I've been learning, you know, and you just start putting it all together and got people that give you a little bit of money on the way, a little bit of help, help in the evenings. And that's kind of how we went. Well, that's outstanding. So after the dash cars, then you started running some late model cars or were you running Bush, car, you know, late model stock yep. cars at that time? What was the, uh, what was the progression? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the 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 late model. I thought I wanted to run like a late model sportsman car. So I go to Martinsville a couple times a year and run. Right. That's all I could afford. Well, you get up there and you're running against Morgan Shepard, Tommy Ellis, Tommy Houston, and you're like, you know, you're you're 25th at best, and you you know, I ain't got a clue. And I race twice a year, you know. So pretty much like, well, that wasn't very smart. So uh, my brother actually ran a race in a road Atlanta bush series and we took my car fix it up we go to road atlanta tom mcgee and i and my dad or david mcgee my dad and, and myself and when i got there <clears throat> i went to the bsr truck and got enough parts and pieces to finish it and at that <laughs> point in time i was negative in the bank account right i had zero money minus i was minus right so anyway i told butch that you know butch stevens i'll you know pay you when i get home because terry said well I'll give you the winnings, right? Okay, cool. So we finished second in the race. I got home and I sold the car. So I had enough money, you know, to pay the bills and to kind of, you know, sit on it and, you know, figure out what to do, right? So ran a little late model stock at Orange County, South Boston. Again, my brother's advice was, you know, you're running these tracks. You don't know how to run either one. You know, you don't run enough and yada, yada, yada. So anyway, we ended up getting a late model and took the money from the sale of that car, bought a late model, bought a motor from Ron Neal, uh, prototype motor and came to Caraway to race. And he, my brother's advice was you don't leave until you win. You race here until you win. Cause if you can't win here, you don't need to go anywhere else. Okay. So did that. 
Well, I'll tell you what, that that's... It's kind of like my golf game, you know? The more familiar I get with the golf course, the better I play, right? Yeah. It's the there same you thing. Go. Yeah, but it's, it's perfect analogy. I told you someday you're going to have to get away from those putt-putt courses. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's around. take a break and come back. <laughs> All right. We're talking to Bobby Labonte. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You are listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Back in the day with Bobby Labonte. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Bobby, we got to the point where Terry had given you some advice that you have to win it at a racetrack before you can go any farther. You, you built a nice car. You went to Caraway and... I'm assuming you won. Yeah, I did. I was, um, and to back up a little bit, I know I didn't talk about it, but I was a mechanic working at Hagen Racing. I got fired, and that's what led to 87 racing late model stocks at Caraway. Why'd you get so fired? Easy, because Terry went to drive for Junior Johnson. Okay. My dad was working at the shop. They fired him that morning. He said, all right, we're, you're done. And I'm, I went through all the way to lunch, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still good. I'm a fabricator, <laughs> man. They might need me, you know? <laughs> Sterling Marlin's going to drive this thing. They might need a fabricator. I don't know. Man, help me. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm making 750 bucks a week. I'm doing good. I like it. So they came down after lunch. And they said, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm English wheeling this fender, right? They said, well, you're going to let you go. Gave me two weeks' pay. So I couldn't find a job. So I go to work for Jay Hedgecock. He hired me. So I went from 750 bucks a week to 250 bucks a week, and I built me a car, late model stock, and bought that Ron Neal motor and go to Caraway because I was working. I wasn't having to go anywhere on the weekends. I was just working during the week. So I go to Caraway, and that's how Terry gave me the advice that don't leave until you win, in which we ended up we won. Um, and you know, then I started venturing off a little bit and come back and venture off a little bit and come back. So <laughs> I. I have to laugh a little bit about hearing you got fired. What, what did what did they tell you why you got fired? Just because we don't need you or because we got rid of your brother, so you were here only because of your brother? <laughs> well, I guess it – well, Terry, you know, had a better opportunity to drive for Junior Johnson. Right. Which was a gold mine for him, right? And so, I mean, I, I just thought we'd just stay there, right? I mean, right. I just thought that would be the thing to do, but I guess they didn't want to hire nobody that was – or they didn't want to have me and – Terry drive for somebody else. Ah, you so, were the inside you know, source of secrets at that point. I, I, and I'll be honest with you, I went down to I went down to Stavola's to get a job down there, and they wouldn't hire me because I was Terry's brother. I was like, dang. So then I thought my options are pretty limited, right? So, you know, back in that day, I'm like, well, I guess I'll do something else. <laughs> so you went to Hedgecock, and then, then what did you do from there? How did how did you move forward? <clears throat> Yeah, well, I'm, and in 87, we raced Caraway, uh, won a race, right? And uh, we had Ron Neal Motor. You know who that is, right? I drove for Ron. He was Mr. Prototype yeah. back in the day, but he had a Bush Series car at a later time. Yeah, yeah. So we had a Ron Neal Motor, Prototype Motor. Man, we were we were bad to the bone. Won a race, Caraway Speedway on one night, and they said, we're going to tear you down. I was like, yeah, sure. We, you know, My dad was out of town that weekend. Yeah, well, sure. Well, you know, what are you going to do? We'll pull the heads off, pull the heads off. We were like, yeah, I need to look under the valves. I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. So we pulled the valve out and they looked underneath it and said, well, your cylinder head's ported. I'm like, oh, well, we didn't know. And so, well, that's against the rules. I'm like, ah, bummer. Mm -hmm. So we got a new set of heads, cut them, put them back on, went back down the next week and won. And they said, do we got to tear you down again? I said, well, okay. So we tore it down and it was legal, right? So anyway, we, so we started winning there. Then we ventured off one night to Concord, and we came back the next weekend. And all of a sudden, Dennis Setzer and I are tied in points because they had a double point night while we were gone. Well, it wasn't a double point night until they knew we didn't show up, right? <laughs> so, which I was not happy with. So, anyway, we finished the year off at Caraway and stayed there and won the championship with Dennis Setzer. Okay. You remember that name? I sure. And um, so we, and then the next year, <clears throat> we went to concord to race big 10 races and bigger shows and straight frame rail cars not stock perimeter cars nine to one motors some v6 stuff and you know just faster cars right than nascar late mile stock right 
So we did that. Then we would go to Greenville and race and we'd come back and we went to Texas and raced a couple of times. And so in 88, I was, had winter circle auto parts as a sponsor. He wanted to run some Bush races. So I'll be honest with you in 90, 1988, I quit working for Jay and was just self-employed. So I'm living at home. So all I need is toothbrush, toothpaste, and a bed. That's all I need, right? So I'm living at home, working in the shop in the backyard. We had a Bush Grand National car. We'd run six times. I had my late mall car we'd run it, and Bill Shackelford was paying the bills. So we did that in 88. So I'm in 89. And then Bill didn't – he quit paying the bills. <laughs> so it was like – Oh boy! Uh oh, that that didn't work. <laughs> now we're in trouble. You know, when the when the Goodyear people come up and say, "Hey, you ain't paid your bill," Motor uh, Wagner's they ain't paid your bill. Like, oh boy, we're in trouble. So there was bills galore, and so Mr. Shackelford he he quit paying the bills. So anyway, so but I was self-employed in '88 and '89. So after working for Jay and just started racing. I mean, so I was uh, part-time bush racer full-time late model Saturday night racer at Concord weekend and week out big 10 against Jack Sprague, Kenny, um, not Kenny, uh, Freddie query, uh, how Goodson, those guys weekend and week out. So yeah, good times until the bills quit getting paid. Yeah. So what happened to the guy who quit paying the bills for you? Uh, he went to jail. Whoops. Matt Hagen yep. story all over. Come <laughs> Yeah. We, inter- we interviewed Matt Hagen, the drag racer. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. And he was telling us about a story that uh, he had this guy that was funding his whole deal, mm-hmm. except he didn't realize it was embezzled money. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, well, we, I could, if I, and I, I know I've talked to Matt somewhere down the road in appearances that we've done, but I'd say that we could probably share a lot of the same stories because my guy was insurance, and when Hugo came through, I think it was, or right around that time, yeah, you know, the whole insurance yeah. deal kind of like went, that was not good, so he didn't. So anyway, well, I had to go to court and testify against him. And he, and he just, I mean, he was just, he was so gracious, but you know, it just didn't work out. Right. It just wasn't his money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out that way. Yeah. So anyway. Wow. I never interviewed two different guys that had kind of the same story. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty more. You yeah. know? I'm sure there's plenty more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're doing business, there's somewhere along the way. Yeah. You're going to meet somebody. All right. So Mr. Shackelford ends up not paying any more bills. They're all on your own. And where are we at from there? Yeah. So in, in, in 1990, uh, 89, 90, you know, we got this couple of bush cars. We made, you know, uh, relationships with, and I mean, I had a relationship with General Motors back working for Hagen, uh, you know, that get a block. I can get a cylinder heads. I can get distributors. I can get this and get that. So, and met, uh, um, I mean, let's see, who was it? Ray? I can't remember Ray's last name. Oldsville. When Oldsville kind of came around, they were getting into it. Obviously, Terry's brother. I'm just riding that coattail, man. I'm just hanging off for dear life cruising through so in 1990 ray smith ray smith that's right that's <laughs> right yep. ray smith so uh you know of course i knew herb fischel i'd been to the wind tunnel i knew all those people terry lace and all that stuff so i always had relationships with people right so um anyway so in 1990 we're trying to go full-time bush racing right so um cliff stewart howard's dad right mm-hmm so Cliff Stewart owned a car that your brother drove, right? Right. You remember that? Rusty Wallace driving so, for Cliff Stewart. Spectrum yeah, Furniture. You, Spectrum and Furniture. So, yeah. Yeah. So I ended up in that shop, I think, in the start of 1990 uh, that Rusty was out of for a little bit or something like that. I'm not sure how that all worked. But anyway, it was down here, crow flies six miles from here, but 20 miles driving, right, through the country roads. You get there, and it's just a building, right? So we ended up starting to build cars and all this stuff. We had a sponsor called Good Mark Foods, and um, we got a check one day for $50,000. You thought it would have been a million bucks. <laughs> so we got a couple cars from Wayne Day, went to Nashville to pick them up. David Green built them, came back, and we we're going to run the Bush Series, and we did. I mean, that's how we started running the Bush Series from beginning to end as far as a year, the whole year, right? And, uh, you know, we weren't part-time anymore. We were full-time. So that's kind of what happened in 1990. We were, me and a guy went to Raleigh and 
convinced those people to sponsor our car and Dick Miller uh, with Good Mark Foods. Loved it. We had a check for $50,000 and drove home. There you go. Just yeah, it was like crazy. Big, big yeah. times kicking in right now. Yeah, right, right. And and actually, it, ca- it, and it we knew it was going to cash, not like before, right? It was, <laughs> not gonna, it was going to clear. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you were – things happened pretty quickly there because that was 1990. You were the 1991 Bush Series champion. So, I mean, things came together quickly, did they not? Yeah, I mean, and 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 even to probably to go back a little bit, a couple of funny stories in the Bush Series when I, you know, when I started off in the Bush Grand National Series, right? I mean, first race I might have been Rockingham or something like that. I remember, it was, you know, because we just pick place, places close by. We can't go too far, right? It's just gonna be right here. So I remember going to Rockingham, running, you know, decent. You know, we still don't, we don't we don't really know what we're doing, but we've got Terry. You know, he knows what he's doing, so he's helping us, right? And then uh, I remember going to Charlotte one time and practicing and he's like i'm like way off the pace you know second off or something like that so he come by and he's like you need to move your seat you're you're like laid back like in a cadillac so i go home move the seat at night put new braces in it redid it fabricated it you know went back down there and was like a second quicker Hmm. And so people come by like, what'd you do? I was like, move the seat. No way. Move the seat. Cause I, you know, I didn't look like a, I'm, you know, look like a pimp before, man. I'd laid back all cruising. And then I got up on the wheel. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. I mean, it's better. Right. Get up. So then I remember. Sounds like the gangster lean. You know, I've got, I've got yeah. a visual. <laughs> you, you know, I gotta, I gotta throw a story in here and I don't mean to interrupt your stories, Bobby, but this is when he said seat. So uh, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. That's the crazy part. I went to I was out in Mesa Marin, Bakersfield, California, driving a truck, the two tr- number two truck for Jim Smith, and I I kept thinking the, the car the truck was tight, you know it wasn't turning good. Yeah. Then under a caution, I realized I had slid down in the seat, <laughs> and it had my arms all jacked up that I couldn't turn it good. I pushed myself back in that seat, pulled them seat belts tight. I drove to the front and won the race. All of a sudden, <laughs> that thing's turned better than I could turn the wheel. So there's, yeah, some, there's yeah, something to that. Something to something the seat. To that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So whenever I mounted seats after that, man, I didn't. I wasn't pimping it. I was up on top of the wheel, right? And <laughs> I was forward. So, so then I, I would go to Darlington. First time I go to Darlington, we're back there on the back stretch. You know, got our little V6 car, and this is before the Penrose days, and part beside Bill Davis and Mark Martin, and I stand there watching practice, and here goes Mark Martin. He goes off and he turned three at the time wide open and i could listen he'd never let off till he got over to turn one and he just barely let off and get back in the gas and i told my dad i said i don't think i could do that there's no way you know so mark come walking up i was like man how you do that he said oh ain't no problem you just hold it wide open down there and it'll stick you know and i'm like oh my god <laughs> that's a pretty so, good mark martin it was a good mark martin <laughs> yeah so so you think about the seat being right right so the seat's got to be right Okay, so then one time I was at Charlotte, and I'm struggling, you know. I'm like, man, whew, I'm all over the place. I said, Mark, could you help me out? Maybe you can drive my car, you know, because we all used – people used to do that back in the day, right? Well, yeah, I guess still do it, but this was during practice, right, during practice for the weekend. And I said, hey, could you drive my car? I said, I don't need to. I said, what do you mean? He said, I know what your problem is right there. He said, I said, what? He said, your spoiler is like 35 degrees. Put that thing straight up. I said, okay, all right, sure. So we – Banged that thing straight up and down. Went out there and ran. I think I ended up qualified six or something like that. He's like, I ain't going to help you no more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so anyway, so we did that. I mean, so we were doing that, and then we go to 1990. We learned a lot. I mean, obviously, uh, crazy what you can learn running week in, week out with so many great competitors. And then the next year, we won the championship just because we – I mean, it was just such a progress that we – Think about the whole thing, quarter midget racing, the little go-karts, the late models, to all pro type of cars. And, you know, I mean, and, and every day I'd wake up like with, I mean, eyeballs full of like, what can I do today to go race? Right. I mean, more. Right. And, um, you know, parents helping, everybody helping, sponsors. And next thing you know, we've got a um, Chevrolet deal and, you know, we're running the Bush Series and we're, you know, got, you know, parts and pieces and you know more money and go have plenty of cars in the shop and the trailer engines and 
you know, week in and week out, we're able to get better. And we go out there and win a championship in 91 and almost in 92. So that 91 championship, I'm assuming this was Bobby Labonte racing at that time, or you were the the main person there, or was that a family program at that point? How did that work? Yeah, I mean, you know, my dad was a crew chief, obviously. Terry Mm -hmm. was our... Terry was my spotter, mentor, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we had, you know, Chris Hussey was there. Uh, well, I mean, who was paying the bills? Was that on your shoulders or somebody else taking care of that? Yeah, that was on my shoulders. You okay. know, that was on my shoulders, yeah. Yeah, so um, my mom was a bookkeeper, though, so actually she paid the bills. But it was on <laughs> my shoulders. And you got Mark Martin bills. as a consultant, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but Terry Labonte is a spotter. I mean, right. Well, you had, a, yeah. you had a major international superstar team going there. That's big time. I did, yeah, I did. And, you know, you throw Dale Jarrett in there every now and then just for fun. Him and Rick Mass is like, yeah, we're, we're having a good time. <laughs> hold hold uh, that thought right there. Let's come back. Moving through the career of Bobby Labonte, you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. In the final laps with Bobby Labonte. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Bobby, I thought we were like really expediting through your career through all this, but I realized we're only at 1992 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that just okay. 10 years ago, though? Just 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ten, ten. That was that same uh, Terry Labonte 17 for three year deal, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm yeah, sure. 39 for 25 years. I heard a story the other day. Somebody <laughs> says, if you didn't know when your birthday was, how old would you be? And you got to think about that. I'm I'm going to stay 35. I was, my life. I was told yeah. there would be no math. <laughs> well, you know, but you know, during during the COVID year, I forgot how old I was for a year. I was telling people I was older than I was. Oh really? So because I lost track. Yeah, I mean, two weeks vacation led into six weeks, and I just didn't know. There you go. It was all, all, all it happened during my birthday. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's start from. Uh, 1991, you win the Bush Series Championship. 92, you race Bush Series. What, 93 forward. What's going on then? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I, I had uh, made friends with Bill Davis, and we were uh, always chatty at the racetrack, and he's trying to move to North Carolina to get set up over here and because, you know, a little tricky from Batesville, I guess, is where they were all the time. I mean, I know it's where he was, but anyway – car wise i can't recall exactly where the car was located but anyway so got him located you know with people and friends bankers real estate people in thomasville area so he and gail move out here and they got a shop close to hagen and you know gordon was going to drive it and then gordon wasn't going to drive it and so he asked me to drive it and that's what i did in, in 93 and 94 for bill and uh you know kind of happened you know was kind of talking about it and you know i mean you know you know at the kind of you know you, you sometimes have a two-year deal three-year deal for you know four-year deal or sometimes it's year to year or when the two years are up you, you know trying to figure out what to do and that's what i was doing between the bush series and that and i told david green i said i drive that car you can drive my car you know so he started driving my bush car in 93 i drive for bill and uh drove that for a couple years sponsorship was going away at maxwell house now that um, that was a cup car you were driving for Bill Davis, correct? Yep. yep. Yep, cup car. And I mean, you know, and throughout all this in ninety four or ninety three ninety three, it was, you know, am I'm am I gonna get fired? Am, how good I'm not very good, you know. So we worked on some things and got better. And then it kinda like, okay, all right, now we're getting better. And then the ninety four actually ran some bush races for Carl Wagner. Um, you know, because we did that. I mean, you just I just wanted to kind of go make sure I can go race again. I mean, I could drive, you know? Right. So did that in 94. And then, uh, you know, with Bill, the, the cup deal was kind of sponsorship-wise going away and not sure what to do. Dale Jarrett was trying to get a ride with the Yates after Ernie got hurt. And, you know, it was kind of like, what do we do now? And then, you know, and Robert called me one time. I was at High Tech and getting a trailer up there worked on or getting fixing to buy one and <clears throat> from bruce and he's like uh robert called me and i'm like i gotta take this call hey man he says if i don't get dale jared drive this car you want to drive it i said sure 
he said, are you good with Mac tools? Yep. Are you good with something else? Yep. Are you good with something else? Yep. All right. I'll get back with you. Okay. So he ended up, he hired Dale Jarrett, which was fine, you know, but. But disappointing that he called you almost <laughs> thinking he got the deal, right? right? No, yeah. I was so close. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so, um, but so when Dale left there, I got the call from Gibbs to drive the 18 car, which was kind of what I thought I'd want anyway, because I'm like a little bit less pressure, you know, on this one. So anyway, so in 95, I mean, got with Jimmy in 94 at the end of the year, signed the deal. Uh, we go test at Texas Motor Speedway, not Texas. No, Texas World Speedway, not Texas Motor Speedway. Go down there for a test and come back and, you know, started off in 95 and was there for, you know, right at 10 years. Man, what a, what a career. So when, when you went to, to Gibbs, what, what was it like when you um... – I don't know. I guess we think of Gibbs as a mega team right now, and I'm sure back then it wasn't the mega team it is today or the, you know, all the resources. Or did they have everything they needed to run up front at that time? Well, I mean, they, they just moved into a new shop there in 95, and um, not the shop that they're at today, but moved into a shop, and it was, like, you know, way nicer than anything I'd seen before. The shop they were in, I walked in at one time, and then I never walked in again because they were fixing to move. And, uh, so, you know, they had, you know, 18, I think I was employee number 18, to be honest with you. I think that's what it was. So, um, yeah. And, and, and what, you know, they had Robin Lamb still there, May Carr still there. Um, Doug Shack just left not too long ago. David Wagner was there, but they had engines from Hendrick. They didn't have their own engine program, but they had, you know, the money to run their race car, one team, a driver and plenty of people to facilitated at the time and so hendrick engines you know you you buy the engine for the weekend whatever it was and you plug it in and you go race so at that time not a mega team but definitely a team that you know as we you know saw back then you got morgan mcclure you got so many different there were so many more teams not less teams right mm -hmm. and they all had the same similar stuff you know i mean we all had either a hendrick deal or not a hendrick deal or they built their own motors or something else maybe but you know everybody kind of had the same type of thing except for a few teams that were hendrick roush i don't know who else had yates might had two cars you know they were the poor yeah. the more mega teams so, so you go there and you win races and you win a championship that's where that's where you won your championship correct mm -hmm. yep 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 so that lasted yes. 10 years yep. and, and so what happens after 10 years and and why do I mean, 10 years is a long time to be anywhere, but mm -hmm. uh, what changed that? And uh, where did you go from there? Yep. So, you know, I mean, we, we grew from, we grew from a single car, you know, winning races, building our own engines, Mark Cronquist. I, I, I threatened to hurt him if he didn't come over and build our motors because he was amazing. <laughs> so... He's taller than me, but I just thought I could threaten him a little bit. But anyway, so we got him over there to build motors. So we had our own engine program. So we kept growing a little bit differently at times. Then we hire, you know, Greg Zipidelli. Tony Stewart comes in. Obviously, you know, greatest race car driver on the earth, you know. And, you know, he comes in, and we have this two-car team. I win a championship. He wins one. Then we're building teams, you know. And, and I mean, we're going from 18 employees, right, to 400. Wow. So Big let me just tell you, let me just tell you that the bonus program for 18 drive for 18 employees was different than for 400. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's the driver when we turn there, I'm like, Whew. I mean, we can't do all this every, every year. Right. So, so, I mean, it was, it, it grew so much. And then, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I probably my, you know, of course you can go back and fix, if you can go back and fix things, we'd all have a lot better, you know, uh, percentage rate of doing things better. Right. To have it right. You know, if I can go back and fix things, I'd probably worry less about having 400 people there or thinking that that's whatever and and just let it be what it is and just drive the car, you know, instead of trying. And, and I mean, when Maycar and I, when we were in Derek Jones and uh, everybody else there, I mean, back in those days, I mean, we, you know, we try 1800 pounds spring, you're going to try 1600. I don't know. Let's go try it. Okay. Where, you know, when as it went on, it's like, well, you know, it, it became less Bobby influenced, right? I mean, it was engineered, which was great, but I just, you know, it was harder for me, you know? So, and I, cause I didn't drive it cause I was grew up fabricating, grew up 
cutting coals off springs to make them stiffer or working on a shock dyno. It was just kind of how I grew up. So as it turned out, you know, 10 years later, if I could fix it, I wish I'd have never left or wish I hadn't have, you know, done things to, to have to leave or leave. Right. So then I go to the petties and, um, you know, thinking that you can kind of restart their whole program, redo their whole program and, you know, go from there. And then that deal got bought out, um, by some other people. And, uh, they, when they, I think when in 2008, no, no, see 95, 05. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be somewhere in some downturn time. I guess they were, um, that'd be maybe later than that. I can't remember my years. Anyway, it was later than that. Anyway, they needed to save some money. So they, they cut the people at the top and I was at the top. I was the high, highest paid employee. So they cut me. <laughs> so let me guess. And they, and they told you it was nothing personal, just business, right? We got to go in a different yeah. direction, Bobby. We gotta, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, well, there was, there was, um, you know, I had a contract for like four more years and it paid a lot for that. Okay. And, and let me just say, I got none of that. Hmm. Well, yeah. the, the storyline of this, Bobby, from the very first show Jeff Kent and I did together, sitting in this room, we both have had the familiar – he's only had it once. I've had a multitude of times is when they come to you and go, it's nothing personal, but, yeah, right. but it's just business. We need to make it – so that meant you got fired. And so about yeah. every driver that we've spoke to or crew chief <laughs> has had the – Hey, it's it's nothing personal. It's yeah. just business experience. <laughs> yeah, and mine yeah. was in the radio yeah. business. We've we've got a right size for the economy. Yeah, you gotta understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, you'll get it. But it's nothing personal though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that, and, and you yeah. tell them go, you know, with themselves to, because <laughs> because of that. But uh, how about okay after Petty Enterprises? What goes on there? They you didn't get you didn't get your contract money. You didn't you know they sent you down the road and uh, yeah. where'd you go from there? What'd you do? Yeah, you know, uh, from there, I think I, I think I went to the was Hall of Fame racing at Yates, um, and you know, I, I'll be honest with you, it was a December, you know, November December. I've got nothing going on, and um, I'm like, oh, well, this is not going to be good, right? So um, they were we were talking to those guys at the Hall of Fame racing and. Uh, ask.com and they were, you know, on the fence of doing something, doing something. So, um, weirdest thing. So I'm working on this deal with them and, you know, I'd answer the phone at 10 o'clock at night and somebody call and say they're in and they're like 10 30. Nope. They're out. So in the meantime, I'm talking to Chip Ganassi, right? So Chip's like, Hey, you know, I could probably do like three races, right? So Okay, three or four races. So I got all my seats in the dually of a pickup truck. Okay. So I told my business manager guy, Mark, I'm like, uh, well, I'm going to head on down to Chip's place and drop seats off and see about fitting a car. Maybe, you know, run three or four races with him, right? A couple first three and then see where it goes from there if we can get a sponsor, right? So I am driving down there. I'm on Interstate 85, about to hit the Yakin River. Mark calls me and says, hey, they just called and that ask.com deal came through. You need to go over there to sign this contract to drive for those guys. <laughs> I'm like, you what? You're, this is crazy. I'm on Interstate 85. I'm t I, seats in the back of a dually going to Chip Ganassi shop. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to do anything. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm just like, I don't want to make people mad. Right. So anyway, so uh, Max at at, uh, at the Hall of Fame. So what I do is I drive to Chip Ganassi's. I go in, knock on the door, you know, go up to see him. I was like, man, I got to tell you the weirdest thing that happened just, just happened to me. So I told him I apologize. I am so sorry, but this deal came through. And I got to do it because I'd already signed a thing, you know, a month ago before it fell flat on his face. And I said, uh, I got to do it because I signed a deal you know, a month ago, just, you know, before we started talking and, but it didn't happen. And so I'm, I'm good to go, but it happens. And he said, well, I've never had a driver come apologize like that. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I, I but I got to do this because I'm kind of, you know, I'm really have, I have to, cause I'm under contract with it, you know, to do it. So I drive over to 
uh, see Max Jones at the Hall of Fame deal, and that was part of a Roush thing, and sat out in the parking lot and signed it and took my seats in there instead. Well, you had your seats in the truck already, <laughs> so, I mean, it saved you a trip. Either really way, not. you were getting a gig, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I All my seats out of the petty car, I got that for my pay. Like, Thanks, all right, appreciate it, and I <laughs> took them on down there. So I did that for a year, and uh, actually towards the end of the year, they replaced me with somebody else, and I drove uh, – the number 71 car for a little bit and yeah, just, I just kind of did that and the Finch thing for a little bit. And, you know, at some point in time, I was like wishing I could, (laughs) wishing I would (laughs) have been somewhere else at different times, you know, but kind of try to, you know, make, you know, make light of it and get to the next thing. And, you know, it was all good. It just, you know, I wish I could have, I mean, we all wish we could have said, you know, at, at, uh, at Homestead, with fat back and fat could have got out of the car at the last race of the year and won it and said, all right, I'm done. You know what I mean? But you always want to try to get better. You think you can get with another team, you can get a little bit better. You can get with another team, you can get a little bit better or, or help them. And so, you know, you're always trying to do that and, you know, kind of did the thing with the 32 car for a while and did some speedway racing and, you know, called it a day. Well, you've had an outstanding career. I mean, regardless of all the, the uh, changes at the end or whatever. Bobby Labonte's a true champion. Uh, you're an IROC champion too, right? Yeah, won that in 2001. That was, uh, you know, we're always trying to beat Mark Martin at that deal. And that year, I, maybe he wasn't in it. That's the reason why I can't remember. <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I beat Tony Stewart for that. Tony was pissed after. Well, I beat him at Indy. He, I come over to him afterwards after I nerfed him a little bit. He was pissed. I was like, sorry. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I got the got check. Yeah, yeah. I got the check. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, just recently, we're about ready to wrap it up here. But you, the SRX series, you're running that. You're racing against some of the greatest race car drivers in the world there. That's going to be pretty much fun. It is. I mean, and I was, you know, Ray called me last year, and obviously uh, uh, George Pine and uh, and Sandy Montag and all them and Don Hawk this year. Uh, they went back for the second year, and you know, you just hope you go and do the right thing. Um, you get invited back if you're not a if, you're, if you do things right. So hopefully, I get invited back again. But one Nashville last year that it seemed like I was always a I'm a good third fourth place guy. It's like man. You know, getting victory lane tough, oh, getting to victory lane hard, and went to Nashville and won that race, which put me at two guitars from Nashville. So I was excited uh, about that. Uh, that was but fun yeah, to watch. So, though. yeah, as a race and, fan, and, that was fun to watch. And 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 it really is. And what I what I tell people, they're like, "Hey, is that fun?" I said, "Yeah, it's fun, but we're dang serious." I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> I mean, this is though we ain't out there putting on a show. We're out there racing, and the show just happens. Um, and you know, when you got, I mean, and, and like. You know, Castro Nevis, I raced against him in the other IROC series, the IROC series before. And so, you know, him and Kanan, they're just a blast. And then, you know, this year we've had Biffle and Newman. Obviously, Michael's fun. And, you know, when you throw in there a lot of other guys and local guys and Joseph Newgarden, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I was like, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I'm like, hey, I'm Bobby Labonte. He said, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I'm like, we talked uh, to Paul Tracy. He took a beating out there a couple of times. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. We all beat on him a little bit. Of course, he beat on everybody else. But, but, you know, I mean, it's so cool that we get to race against so many different guys from different, um, you know, their specialties, right? So, like, just, you know, Newgarden, for example, you know, a, a funny one, Ryan Hunter Ray at Nashville, we're out there running in practice. He come in, and he says, what do we think? I said, man, I suck. He said, well, I was following you. I said, well, you followed the wrong guy, you know? So then in the race, ended up winning the race, and he's like, well, I guess you figured it out. I said, dang, I, I, I really just drove differently than I did in practice because I thought I had figured it out, but I didn't, you know, and then I figured it out in the race, right? So Marco, you know, I mean, just so many different guys. I mean, it's 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 a blast. And when you throw Chase Elliott in a couple times and Ryan Blaney and Dave Blaney and Bubba Pollard and, you know, Peyton Sellers, and, I mean, it's, you know, Haley Deegan and, uh, Matt Hirschman at, at uh, Matt Hirschman was fun at, at Stafford because he is so serious about his modified racing and that deal was he was getting I could see him in a mirror getting better every lap you know and luckily he was behind me and uh, so anyway that was that was fun I mean you know cool for those guys and and for us as well. Well, I'm uh, I'm proud to know Bobby Labonte. I'm proud to race with you. I'm glad you took the time for Jeff Kent in our show today and. Uh, Man, hopefully you'll come back on someday because you, you, you're a storyteller. You can you can tell your story and other people's, and um, 
You know, as we're on the way out the door right now, you got to be selling T-shirts, hats with all the stuff you got going on. You got anything anywhere anybody can buy any of that from you? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, um, Casey Kane Spring, uh, ScreenPrinting.com, they sell our stuff. Um, we, we've been buying stuff from them all year, and I, I hate to say it, I ain't seen Casey Kane all year. Been down there a couple times, picked up stuff. Uh, but, yeah, we're, uh, we did some modified racing this year. I got one more race at Martinsville coming up in a couple days or three days. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, so Casey Kane Screen Printing sells our stuff online. And then uh, I think we're done selling at the track, but hopefully we'll we'll do some more next year. And I was just looking at it's funny how you talk about all this and about all this. Everything is happening. There's a plaque in my office here that says 2021 Rookie of the Year. Yeah, 2021 Rookie of the Year. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So I was Rookie of the Year in the in the Smart Modified Tour, right? Series, right? So last year I was Rookie of the Year. Well, like, you you keep digging at it, Bobby, now. and you'll get you'll make it someday. <laughs> one of these days, I'll, when I grow up, I'll get it. <laughs> when you grow up. <laughs> well, thank uh, you very much for joining us today. It was a great, great conversation. Look forward to it in the future, and uh, go win Martinsville. There you go. All right, we'll give it our best shot. Thank you. There goes Bobby Labonte. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.